This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Goal! Far post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And it's a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! of a pickle certain united two swindon town won three out of three losses for jody morris as town concede in quick succession for the second game running here to discuss first of all it's the boy in the bitter land it's connor hello connor hello rich that was a really good intro thank you you can have that that's yours <laughs> you're now the boy in the bitter land um and uh, we're all envious of it are you good uh, yeah, no, all good, thanks. I'm still echoing, don't know why. I've put, I put a picture on the wall uh, and I thought that would uh, prevent the echoes, but apparently I need to put more up. So um, yeah, let's let's get some pictures of some promotion going and then uh, we can put those up and then I won't sound like I'm in the middle of a cave, but for now I am in a cave. Hey, cave is just fine for now. Um, also on the pod for some therapeutic deep sighing, it's the Way End's very own Dan. Hello, Dan. <sighs> Thanks, Rich. Evening, Swindon fans. (laughs) Wherever you are, pull up an armchair, pop those headphones in, and listen to Rich, Dan, and Connor pull Sandro Di Michele to pieces for one hour. I mean, when you said pull Sandro Di Michele, I was was worried about where that was going. No, I mean, Sandro's doing a great job. Yeah. Okay, okay. Connor, how did did you feel about that? I, I felt a little bit of... Ooh, got the vapors. <laughs> yeah, I've gone weak at the knees. I think I've done my ACL. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's great to have you both on. Let's go straight in with a vibe from last night. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, it just felt like the best thing to do for the pod was just to sleep on it a little bit. But I didn't let you, the listeners, do that. We wanted your opinion straight away. And we're not pushing Paul Merriman under the bus, but this was the vibe, I think, across the board. Feels like we're destined to stay in League Two forever. It's abysmal crappy little clubs punching above their weight unless your entire team is full of six foot six cloggers you're going nowhere depressing give jody time and a full transfer window oh and give his bloody assistant uh how are we feeling 24 hours on connor we'll start with you you feeling all right i'm feeling good yeah i mean i think it's, it's lucky that um we didn't record directly after the game. Not because I'd have been fuming, because I mean, I probably would have been, but the main thing is I was absolutely exhausted. I mean, there's different times I'm I'm in. It's, uh, you know, that that one hour really would have just sent me to sleep. But uh, yeah, no, all serious notes. Um, Yeah, I I think like I was quite annoyed at the time um, at the end of the game. Um, And then weirdly, I've woken up and usually after that kind of thing, like in the the nature of the way that the equaliser was scored and, um, just the way that the game had gone. I think usually I would still be a little bit annoyed about it and still need to, like, I don't know, get something out of my system a little bit. Um, and maybe it's the distance and following an eye follow rather than being in the ground um, like a, a true loyal fan. Um, maybe it's uh, feeling a little bit of distance to the team at the moment, uh, or maybe it's really just, like, the nature of the performance. And I think, I think that's really what I think it is. Um, but, yeah, I think, like... You know, I'm annoyed about it, but like it's one of those things where I'm now just thinking about. I'm annoyed at it in the prism of I want us to win on Saturday, and whereas yeah, I, I probably this time last season would have been rattled. Um, still, 24 hours on, uh, and it would have been a better pod for it. But there we go. So, so what you got to work for it this year? We've we've sacrificed the content to just simmer down a little bit. You were talking of. The real fans, well, we've got one in. Dan, you were there. First things I will say, to to address the tweet from Paul Merriman, I, I know Paul. Um, I think there was a man that was just hurting when he wrote that. Yeah. Um, we were all hurting, Paul, weren't we? We were all hurting. Sutton United were very good hosts. Had a lovely burger. The away end has been done up. It's much nicer. It's bigger. Um uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not really a certain problem. Like, this is a Swindon problem. We should zoom in on on Swindon. Teams full of six foot six sloggers, you know, on three thousand crowds punched above their weight. Good for them. Good for them. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about Swindon Town, and unfortunately, it just a bit of a mixed night because for probably fifty five, sixty minutes. Yeah, in all honesty, I was stood there thinking, okay, it's not a glamour performance, but we have shown a bit of tactical adaptability by going to five three two. We have mixed our game up a bit. We had manfully handled Sutton's sort of aerial and um, physical threats on the most part, but sadly, I think what happened in the last half hour once. Sutton got a real foothold in the game. It became a territorial battle. Lots of set-piece defending to do. They are just a percentages side, Sutton, and eventually those percentages fell in favour of 
Sutton, Swindon run out of puff, run out of legs. The bench was weak. Um, a few players on the pitch, like Austin, who had just run the heart out. McEachern on debut, had nothing left to give. And, yeah, I mean, it was one of those games, the longer it went on, the more it suited Sutton. And so by not getting 2 nil ahead, I hate to say it felt a bit inevitable. And we'd even had the warning shot with them hitting the crossbar sort of five minutes before they scored. So, no, sort of glum, sad inevitability that we were going to throw it away somehow, but not not letting two. <laughs> oh, Connor, Dan, thank you very much. Yay! <laughs> the second, second episode in a row that I've been able to do that. Superb. Connor, starting lineup: Bryn in goal, Blake Tracy, Brennan, Clayton at the back, then midfield of Iandolo, Hutton, Khan, Kaji, and a debut for McEachran with Austin and Jeff Cott up top. I like that, Connor, did you? Um, I did like that a lot, yeah. Uh, I mean, basically, to, to give you the background, because I was ill, I didn't go to football on Saturday here, um, so I watched the game on iFollow, um, and that was so bad, and I'm talking about I was hating every minute of it before we went 2-0 down very quick um, in quick succession on the 70-minute mark, that... I was just like, I'm definitely not watching Sutton on Tuesday. That that has no interest to me. And then, lo and behold, it's uh, quarter seven UK time. I get a notification of the team. I have a look at the team. I'm like, that's four changes. Uh, and there's the new guy in there. I'm gonna watch. I, I'm gonna watch this. You know, wh- whatever Valentine's Day plans I had out the window, we watched it Sutton United away. I I didn't have any plans, so that's why I was able to do that. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, I thought. I mean. I guess the problem is the squad is a little bit weak at the moment, just in terms of, I mean, just the way that the squad is, and then also just the, the, the injuries and suspensions and all of that. Meaning that even in the areas where we are actually reasonably well stocked, we don't we aren't able to draw from that stock um, quite so well. Um, and just the way that the team was selected and looked was actually way stronger than I expected it to be. So yeah, might be being a, a glory fan from uh, from my cave over here, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it looked like actually, you know, there might be something about this and uh, let's go. And yeah, I mean, you know, when I see Ronan Darcy benched, I'm a, a happy man. So, uh, yeah. Oh, he's blocking people at the moment. Be careful, Connor. Um, <laughs> I've heard a lot of people, not a lot, but I've certainly read comments from fans going that the reaction to this loss, Dan, was unfair given the amount of injuries and suspensions that we have at the moment. But I look at that 11 and I even see some use, not, you know, you've only got Harrison Minton as a defensive option, really. But I think that's a perfectly competitive 11 uh, for for this game. I really did. I, I, I felt that it was fine. Yeah, certainly fine. I think it's the best 11 we could put out, given the injuries and suspensions. The only one I was a bit miffed with. I don't know if you've heard anything on this front, Jen, is um, why Adeloye wasn't in the 18. Mm. Did we? No. Because, yeah, that that Kane for Austin moment with five to go, um, I said it as it happened. It's like it's You're kind of condemning yourself to holding on to what you've got. Whereas just, just that one extra body at the top of the pitch with a bit more physicality, who knows, might help us hold on to something. But no, I mean, you could see it was a, a, a pretty weak bench. Um, the three that came on and Aguio were probably the the three usable ones on such a 
physical test of an evening at Sutton. But I don't know. There's a few players in there. Well, one that I don't rate, Brennan. And you guys see this in our WhatsApp chats. I, I just don't think he's up to the mark. It's not particularly his fault that we've got bugger all centre-backs at the club. Um, I think Kaji, very raw, but improving. There's a lot on Kaji at the moment, though, isn't there? Considering that he's barely played for Bristol City and had one non-league loan. I think the curve's going up and he's going to learn quick in this league. Um, but yeah, I just think it was a team that lacked a bit of legs. Um, Austin at 33, uh, second game in four days. He tired uh, the second half of the second half. Jeff Cott, bless him. He looks like he, he's one of these. His arms are pumping. He looks like he should be going fast and he isn't. Um, McEachern on debut, you know, understandably short of match fitness, but whilst he was on, he did well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, but going back to a question or what a, two ago how are we feeling after that just just a bit glum a bit resigned like you know it's kind of the party's over really for this year I, I think it would be a remarkable turnaround from here to muster 10 wins from the last 16 games do you think oh anything's possible well Is it's it possible of course it's possible <laughs> but it just feels like we're doing some damage just this week alone like I think the only thing I'd point out with this kind of rhetoric of where we are in the season now with it being over is I mean it's very much still in reach it's just that something has to go right and go right soon so literally a year ago this week um, I think we had a couple of like really upsetting we're not well, upsetting is maybe the wrong word like just, like big setback losses at home to Exeter and away at Tranmere I think back to back in the four day period um, and I think after that Tranmere game I, I remember thinking that you know if you're going to sort of not really, if you're going to be so weak in your squad in some areas and you're not going to um, play that well and try and like try and win the games well, um, then you might as well say it's over and um, kind of, you know, uh, try and build up some a platform for next season by playing sort of players that haven't really got such a look in so far and try and develop them up. Um, and then I was proven wrong in that kind of outlook by the fact that. You know, we, we got that kind of palate cleanser win um, against Scunthorpe. Um, and then, although it were, there were still a couple of defeats in that sort of spring period before we ended up going on the run that took us over the line into the playoffs, um, we were, I think we were in a similar-ish position. And like, yeah, we would just need to do the same kind of thing of getting a palate cleanser win and getting players back to fitness and maybe make a, a, a signing in the free um, agent market to address the drawbacks in the squad that we've got at the moment. Um, and then it's all possible. So for me, it's the, the, the problem is the reason, the reason it's agonizing is that like, it's not off the cards. It's just that if you continue playing like this for a few more games, then, then it becomes a very difficult ask and it will be off the cards. So I guess the, the question is, do we do this for another like four or five games, at which point it becomes the Wellins season before the Wellins season. So where, Really, we should have been looking at sort of attacking the playoffs, but like we just couldn't do it for whatever reason. We couldn't put that run of form together. Or if it becomes like last season where 
we managed to kind of just vibe it into the playoffs uh, towards the end by putting a, a run of form together. Um, and yeah, like while it's not confirmed, we're going to all be like hoping that that happens um, while also kind of in our head knowing that us not doing it is probably more likely. Our game 30 last season was quite an important one, really, because it was the start of that something like 11 goals in three games and none conceded. So Mm -hmm. we need to get back to that at Salford. Let's let's get back to the game, though, Dan. The first half. The first half was your typical midweek League Two game where I think Charlie Austin says it in his post-match interview where did some good things, did some bad things, but ultimately we were 1-0 up. So, you know, that's a positive away from home. Absolutely, yeah, and you know the things I I would commend Swindon on is what well, they looked they looked up for it, and you know it is a sort of opposition and ground where you know you need to you need to be up for it on the night. A, f- a few more bits of attempted football, you know, the ball was actually sticking in a way that it didn't in the first half against Doncaster. So a bit more encouragement, a couple of good link ups around the pitch, I think. Blake Tracy and I and got quite good chemistry going forward from from left centre back and left wing back. Um, bit of a frustrating night for Hutton in terms of his his crossing. It wasn't really on the mark all night. Khan definitely gave us some much needed energy and legs in the middle. McEachern, you know, quite eye catching. Um, some of his closing down and tackling was was. Really uh, encouraging sign. Um, but yeah, like you say, not a classic. We were in the match, took the goal really well. Couple of warning shots at the back. Uh, Sutton goal disallowed the player on the follow-up uh, offside. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sutton didn't really change the modus operandi all night. Like As I touched on earlier, to me, they just look like a, a percentages team. They don't need to play well. All they've got to be is only one goal behind and eventually something will drop for them in the box um, and they're good at what they do. So I, I don't want to slag them off too much in terms of style, but it really is a substance test. Um, in the home game at Swindon, we were quite lucky. Their goalkeeper sort of threw one in the back of the net from a quite a tame shade shot and Wakelin kind of got us out of jail a bit with that, that late header. But yeah, this was much more like last year's Sutton last night. Or, or the wind that I'm watching are a, a bit worse. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of a, a reverse of the narrative from the Sutton game earlier in the season because before Town got the late winner, there were chants of you don't know what you're doing to for uh, Scott Lindsay and then Wakeling comes on and... And, and does the business, but it, it went the other way, didn't it, Dan? Yes. Um, I mean, it's hard to be too critical of Morris. Um, and, you know, he, he sort of cut quite a sad figure as he walked along the way and gave us a good clap. And, you know, a lot of the other players did too. And Romeo Hutton sort of holding his hands up saying sorry. And well, Was was Anthony Grant doing the call me sign <laughs> from the away end? Well, he was about four call foot me. in front of me, uh, in his sort of uh, blue, big blue coat, hood up, cool as anything, um, taking the adulation from the, from the fans. But I don't know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to know how, how down in the dumps to be about 
last night when you consider, obviously, you know, you've signed Tomlinson, he's not fit yet. Lavinier's out. Williams concussed. Shade, you know, you're missing his option off the bench. Um, Hepburn Murphy still suspended, which is his own fault. Like the only one I would probably mark Morris down on so far is is the performance against Doncaster, which was really, really insipid and disappointing. Last night showed, uh, sorry, Tuesday night showed a lot more pragmatism in terms of style, a willingness to adapt formation, a willingness to to mix up the style of play. So I'd say there's some. Little green shoots there on the Morris front. But in essence, he's inherited this squad with this set of injuries. Um, if only the game could end after 85 minutes, we'd be saying <laughs> yeah. in much much happier tones, talking about a hard-fought win. But alas, you've got to play 95 minutes. Yes, you do. Connor, one of the positives from the first half is obviously the goal, and it's a well-worked one too. Yeah, uh, and I think it was kind of actually emblematic of what we were trying on the night as well. Like I, I had noticed that we looked a lot better down the left-hand side than we have done for ages. Um, I, I don't know exactly why that was, but yeah, like that that move was forecasted before, um, and we tried it a couple of times after as well. Whereas you know we have seen a, a lot of our play going down the right-hand side with with Hutton, so it's nice to see a bit more variation because uh, we were trying it down both sides, but particularly strong down the left. Um, and um, it's this, it's a great chance for Austin because it's not an easy goal, um, but you give him that sort of you give him that kind of service, and he will you know turn that into shots on goal, and um, more often than not goals. Um, so yeah, absolutely perfect, and that gives you a platform to build on. Um, I think in the first half we could have probably um, if if we if the ball had fell a little bit nicer, there were a couple of times where we were in decent positions and just needed uh, needed something to open up um, and maybe we could have sort of gone on and made it 2-0 and that would have been a much better platform um, to go and try and defend the game in the second half um, but yeah really I think the way that that sort of first 11 has been improvised obviously with the injuries um, I think um, really have to take my hat off to Morris for that first half because I think some of the football play was really good. It was quite exciting. Um, McEachran was just at the heart of pretty much everything good that we did in that first half as well. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in the first half. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it was good. I think the, the only thing is um, really that, that I was thinking when I was listening to Dan's list of sort of the players that are out due to injury, I think the only thing that really we would, would have been missing, that though, like, so those players obviously offered, would have offered a little bit more danger going forward, but I think we're actually reasonably dangerous going forward. I think the thing that we're missing, which actually the players that were out injured did, don't really offer, it's just like that one player in the spine of the team that was just going to control the tempo of the game. It was quite a frantic first half, um, which I think suited us in the end. Um, but yeah, in the second half, the game became continued being frantic, but in a slightly different way, and we just weren't able to control it. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point, Connor. Actually, we haven't really got any major injuries at centre half. Obviously, you've got Harry's out, and Baudry looks like he's you know like medically retired now. But that's the area of the squad where you know ninety percent of your resources are available, and we still look weak at centre-half. You're using a career left-back at centre-half, Blake Tracy. And don't get me wrong, he's good. But you're asking him now to basically be a, a 
career centre-half, and that's still going to take a bit of learning. Clayton, young, skinny whippet. Brennan, I don't rate. And Minton on the bench. That is a January window that has left your centre-half cupboard barren. There's more games like last night than there are total football games. Clayton hasn't come back to the form that he had before he got injured, which is probably understandable, but hopefully he'll find that again. Yeah, I mean, I think he was growing into the game as well as it went on. Like, I think in the first sort of half an hour of the first half, I think he was probably the the lowest performing of our three centre-backs. And actually, they they played pretty well over the course of the first half, um, apart from like one, one sort of error that Brennan did right at the start. Um, so that's kind of... I'm not. I'm not digging him out too much for that. Um, but I think he got a lot better in the second half. But I think probably partly that's just that he had a lot to do. Um, so I, I think really, like, if I was to like look at, if I was even to look at the second half, I couldn't really point out anything hugely wrong that they've done. It's just that as a as a three of them, they're just not the sort of defenders that are going to go up against six foot four strikers and constantly win that aerial battle. And to our credit, we did really well on second balls for most of the game. But then if you're going to have a like it, uh, if you're going to play a game of percentages over and over and over again, eventually, like Dan mentioned before, like it, it will end up not working out well. So then we've got two situations where we've played the game and lost in quick succession. So um, I, I think Clayton was okay, and I'm hoping that that means that he'll be sort of back to his old self. Um, yeah, it's another game under his belt. He's going to be better off for these last couple of ninety minutes. The other thing I would like to say is, um, harking back to previous you know, hardy wins against Sutton. And before last night, we were three wins out of three uh, in the league against Sutton. Baudry has had a couple of big games against Sutton, often filling in. But he's the sort of player who just went and headed everything. And that's exactly the kind of age, experience, character you need against a challenge like that. And actually, you look through the squad, we don't have that centre-half. We let that centre-half leave in Angus McDonald. And, you know, I've, I've seen people say McDonald wasn't very good. Good to see him go. But the problem is, we didn't replace him. And even if we had have got Fagan Walcott over the line on deadline day, well, frankly, that would only really be another body. We don't know how good he is. But what we can tell you is he's 20 and he's played academy football. So... I'm not sure that would have fixed much. Centre-half is a big problem and that's going to hamstring us. And there are plenty of rumours, you know, going through the rumour mill, but some of those names haven't played for as long as McEachran has, but it's a different position. And I always... Centre-backs with little game experience or having not played for a long time, I should say, they always seem more prone to get injured. Yeah, and the thing is, what haven't we got right now? time you've got 16 games we can't afford to let a 30 year old free agent who hasn't played for nine months we can't give him a reserve game because we don't have a reserve team we can't give him three or four games to get up to speed because then before you know it there's 10 games left the time to do the business was a month ago and Swindon were dilly dallying naffing about not appointing a manager. Okay, well, let's go to the second half because I could summarise most of the second half, Connor, by just saying it just felt like 
what happened at the end was coming but we were dealing with it relatively well i thought i i didn't i i felt that maybe an equalizer was on the cards but i didn't for one minute think that we were going to lose that game because they were doing the same up and under pumping it in over and over again and it it felt like we were managing it all right until players started getting tired yeah i mean i, I think the um I kind of always feel when a, when a team's knocking on the door that much, I mean, they were doing it every couple of minutes. It was a good ball into the box and either they were winning the first contact and it was just kind of going up for a second ball or we were winning it and then it was going for a second ball. Like We weren't getting our lines cleared at the first opportunity at all. Um, and I, I just kind of felt, you know, one of these is going to fall. And it got to about the... I want to say the 70 minute mark where I think Sutton had been doing this for 20 minutes uh, and nothing had happened yet. And I was like, this is a little bit weird because we haven't succumbed to it yet. Usually we would have conceded by now. And then there are a couple where we actually started to defend it quite well. So I think you're right. Like the the writing wasn't on the wall in terms of we would definitely lose that game. Just the writing was on the wall that if you don't mix it a little bit uh, to change the question, do something to Sutton so that they can't be doing this to us quite so much, then you know, if you keep letting them do it, then something will happen. Um, so I actually, from the subs, on 75 minutes, you've got Wakeland come on. And the first thing he does is just ask them a different question by just running very directly in behind. Um, they, their centre-back sort of gets really sort of panicked, doesn't get the ball away. Wakeland runs straight and down, then a little sort of P-roller towards the goalkeeper. So... It could have been a goal, it wasn't, but it was at least something different. We got the ball in their area for the first time in ages, and and, and that was good. Not a huge amount of time later, he did something like a little bit similar where the ball bounces. He managed to kind of just run around someone and, uh, again, get a shot off, but not not good enough, really. Um, so we, we actually kind of had a, a very brief moment where there were a couple of things happening, but what we really needed to do was just kind of get ourselves 10 yards up the pitch um, so that we weren't conceding so many of these chances. And uh, I think that's that from listening to Jody Morris's post-match this morning. Um, that sounds like what he wanted us to be able to do. Um, and it just that we, we maybe lack the maturity um, of doing it. And that's something that games by you. And I, I think it really is no surprise that, um, okay, so we, we took Jeff Cott off and McEachran, um sort of around the 70 to 80 minute marks. Both of them subs that had to happen because you could see that both were sort of knackered or maybe had a little knock or something. Um, they were playing worse at that point than at any point that they've been playing so far. So it's the right substitute to make. Um, there's not really much that you can do in terms of substitutions because obviously Adeloy wasn't in the squad. So it really had to be Wakeland coming on an attacking sense. Um, and then it was Darcy or Aguiar and Darcy's been playing more football. So those were the right substitutions. Um, and we see out another five minutes. There's five minutes left. Honestly, for the for 10 minutes before that, you could see that Austin was just on his last legs and just staying on the pitch and competing through sheer will. Um, and he'd been putting in an absolute shift defensively after scoring the, the goal down the other end. Um, so he he was one of our sort of better players at sort of winning those first contacts and sort of trying to hook the ball clear. Um, so no surprise that you take him as your experienced head actually kind of leading the defensive unit at certain points, especially when we're sort of camped in our own half. Um, and then within a minute, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was completely telecasted. And then once you take that one experience head out and you've just got a bunch of kids playing on the pitch, um, then it will happen. And I say that like, the, you know, the, the kids that are on the pitch, they're all very talented in and of themselves. Um, but once we had that sort of head not knitting it together, uh, then it fell apart very, very quickly. And, you know, the, f- the first goal can happen. Um, I kind of don't really put that blame anyone because it's such a clear foul um, that it's a refereeing mistake. Um, but definitely, like, the, the the really, really damning one from our point of view is that having then conceded that, not keeping it tight enough to, like, not concede two minutes later, um, the fact that that's now happened three out of four games um, where we conceded sort of a couple of goals in quick succession, I just, yeah, it, it it's a real... Like, it's, that, that sort of stuck in my craw last night. I was I was basically not so annoyed about the refereeing mistake for the first goal because of the second goal, because it's just one of those things where, like, if you're going to concede anyway, because, like, we, we did concede like that, then um, I don't really want to waste airtime on anything, like, actually having to go <laughs> at a ref, like, because, you know, it's not worth attacking him if we can't defend ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the goals then, Dan, because there were warning signs, uh, plenty of pumping the ball into the town box. Matthew Dennis hit the bar when he should have scored, really. And then Joe Kizzy's latest up and under looks to be going to Sol Brin. There's a clear elbow on him, which results in our goalkeeper not being able to get nearly enough on the ball. And then Liangle pounces and it's 1-1. And this is one of the reasons why I think I was happy I, I slept on this, because when I saw it live, I was annoyed with Sol Brin. He needed to be stronger, I think. And I know people don't like hearing this, but if you're being fouled, you got to go to ground. You know, you got to go down and, and show the referee that. Instead, it was kind of light and fluffy. I've watched it a million times since, and there's clearly an elbow on him, isn't there, Dan? I mean, it, it's a foul. Best way I can describe it, I think there's two sides to the coin. And I kind of agree with both. Like, First things first, the attacking player has led with his arm. That arm has made contact sort of somewhere between Bryn's shoulder and head as Bryn is about to catch the ball. Nine out of ten referees give that and would be maybe sat here going, oh, it's a good job, goalkeepers get protection. But if you're looking at consistency across the leagues and all the referees we see, generally goalkeepers are a really protected breed. And I think nine, nine and a half times out of ten, Brian gets the free kick. He takes 45 seconds to take the kick. Takes a bit of sting out of the game. Who knows? We might see it through at 1-0. But by the same token, and I'm going to quote my Uncle Ray, who was a Hellenic League goalkeeper, when he used to coach us at Stratton Juniors back in the day. My friend Jason was in goal, and I used to watch him coach Jason. Like, there was also this mantra of, if you're jumping, you always lead with a knee out in front of Lift you. Lift knee, always. And it acts literally like as a Roman spear. Like anyone comes into your space, they're getting the massive peg leg in whatever part of the body you can make contact with. And then you keep your arms above your head. With Brinny, unfortunately, he did rather go kind of pencil jump. Um, and ultimately, like you say, Rich, he, he didn't probably make enough enough of a big deal of it afterwards, which sounds a shocking thing to say, but 
you know, there's three point three points on the line here. But I I want to see Brinny be all commanding, all conquering there. Yes. Come out yes. fierce, willing to clatter someone or get clattered, because you you would then, I'm sure of it, get the protection from the referee. So a mixture of weak aerially Solbrin and unfortunately for us, the one in ten times that the referee didn't didn't give give the goalkeeper the protection. And I'm not saying like roll around the floor feigning injury, but you've, you've got I, to I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Not the what? This is normally a foul. And you know, as we'll as we'll discuss a bit later, Jody Morris, although he kept on mentioning it, didn't really want to mention the fact that he didn't really like the referee for that. But before we really had time to simmer, it was two one, Sam Hart's free kick, and again it's a, another Big, long ball, partially cleared. And David Ajaboy uh, runs in, crosses it. It's met by Alistair Smith, and it takes the biggest deflection from Ellis Iandolo. And, and that, Connor, was that. Yeah, uh, and I'm not a, not a huge fan of conceding to what is definitely an SMP MP. Like a, a, a SMP NP. That's not a footballer's name. Um, but... <laughs> Just one of those things that you have to take. It comes to the rough and tumble of League Two, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, it's frustrating. And just maybe we're just a little bit too emotional as a team. And you know, maybe that comes with the fact that it's such a young team. I, I hate to kind of labour the point. I feel like I'm driving an agenda when you know, really I'm just like saying what I'm seeing. But um, yeah, you, you shouldn't be conceding so soon after conceding. Um, and um, just just in those situations, I just feel like it's a little bit that our head went down. The first thing we tried to do after conceding was immediately go to the other end and score, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, but just like the way that we had ch- a- approached it was really desperate. Like we, like a point would have been a fine result. If you'd given me a point before the game, I probably would have taken it, to be perfectly honest. Um, so um, I, I just I kind of feel like we just approached that final five minutes wrong um, and we've paid the penalty for it well we'd ha- we'd also hamstrung ourselves with that last sub because once you took Austin off it was Wakelin up front on his own sort of five or six midfielders strung across the pitch in varying varying levels of uh, diminutive size and running out of gas uh, yeah there, there was only one side running it as soon as it went to 1-1 and it wasn't us yeah well do you put Minturn on to protect at any point in those final stages, whether it 1-0, 1-1? Should Morris have been thinking about that earlier instead of instead of what he went for? Because there's been a lot of discussions about the subs being wrong. I think there's a danger in putting an extra centre-half on it with a 1-0 lead. Uh, firstly, that like basically exactly as Dan describes, that you then concede and then you actually you don't want to continue defending, you want to... Um, sort of attack the game um, and, and get the winning yourself. Um, but also just in terms of like adding another defensive player on, I think that Im- immediately makes you deeper. And I think part of the problem was that we were so deep that we were just inviting wave and wave of pressure on, on after ourselves. So mm-hmm. I think adding yeah. another defender would have been the wrong thing unless basically we would have been taking off one of the three centre-halves. And I don't think any of them were playing badly enough, and uh, especially at those aerial challenges, um, to... Uh, Warren taking off. Um, I think they all kind of added their own bit and they were fine. They weren't the problem. Um, I think really what we needed was sort of more options to kind of keep the ball further away from the goal. So really what we needed was just like 100 appearances in the Football League midfielder who um, could 
receive the ball and not immediately give it away because especially towards the end, that's what Karan and Kanchi were doing. Um, after a good opening 70 minutes or so, um, they weren't keeping hold of the ball effectively and it was just so frantic when either of them were on the ball, um, especially on the edge of our own box. Um, and yeah, you, you probably want, if you're going to be taking Austin off at that point, you want to be bringing on um, a slightly more physical centre-forward so you still have the um, kind of attacking sort of strengths that um, will mean Sutton can't like commit everyone forward um, but at the same time that when they need to go back for a set piece that they're going to be able to do their bit I don't think Jake Kane um, uh, 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 for all of the sort of good things he probably does bring in a footballing sense um, you know bringing on sort of Wakeling, Darcy and Kane uh, for Jeff Cott, McEachran and Austin that makes the team more lightweight like that they're, they're, uh, they're not physical players so um yeah, it's 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 one of those things. I I struggle to criticise Morris for the substitutions because really, what else could he have done? He needed to take those three players off. There's probably like one or two that, from the bench. I don't really see like what else you're gonna what you're gonna do. I would have possibly brought taken them off at the same time. There's only yeah. three four minutes between McEachern and and Jeffcott going. That's the mistake I'm pretty much saying. Like you use your game management, you take two players off at the same time, and then you've got the ability to do a time wasty sub in injury time or a defensive sub later in the game. Yeah, that's right. I think fair enough. Can I can I chuck in a lovely big dollop of hindsight, gentlemen? Please do. Uh, and again, I think League Two spine of your team: centre half, centre mid, centre forward is exactly where you want big lump 30-year-olds. And in Angus MacDonald, who I think is now age 30, you had a big centre-half. In Ben Gladwin, age 30 or 31, you had... You know, even if he didn't play like a big monster, like he, he did give you size, very good at heading away set pieces. You have got Austin in the side, so you have got that experience at the at the top of the pitch, but what this side is really lacking is middle of the pitch uh, in midfield at centre half, particularly with a young goalkeeper. And so I just can't help but feel it's self inflicted squad pain that we're we're feeling right now. To not replace, it's just criminal. Yeah, no, I think it it really is. Um, I I I kind of look at it and think we really need to dip into the free agent market and even if they're going to take a couple of weeks to get up to speed I'd rather they're available for 12 of the remaining games than that we just go through the season with um, like a much younger group of players or we just need basically the whole squad as a whole to kind of mature very quickly um, which I'm sure that you know with Morris's is uh background of being a youth coach and like the, the way that he talks I think is, is impressive and hopefully will come across to the players in a way that kind of allows them to understand things in a little bit of a better way that they kind of go on that sort of journey very quickly and um, yeah start to do sort of some of the things that yeah players that have maybe played 100 games just instinctively know what to do and what not to do um, but yeah it, it seems like a huge unforced error to get rid of players and not replace them. It feels like a huge unforced error to get rid of players um, and replace them with, you know, definitely talent and definitely promise, um, but um, not with um, any experience at all. And like, 
you, you look at the fact that Gladwin's gone, and if you if you want to say that his replacement is Kane, then that's someone with a little bit of experience, but not much. If you want to be sort of less charitable to the club and say it's Kadji, that's someone who's got no experience. So um, it, it it's mad for me. I, I I think like genuinely, you look at that game and the the game kind of unfolds in a pre-Austin, like Austin being on the pitch and Austin coming off the pitch um, universe where. The, the moment that it all changes is the moment that sort of we are a, a kids team down the park um, rather than sort of, yeah, a, a serious League Two team with a mixture of youth and experience, which is what we should be. And you look at you look at things, I think there's a lot of sort of narratives about sort of the, the previous manager this season and, you know, he managed to get the, the squad into the, the position um, and this squad's now not taking it on. I think you have to accept that this is a different squad now. Like it's materially changed quite a lot. The players that are involved, um, we've got rid of some of the better ones um, and not replaced them adequately. Um, so this second half of the season is going to be a much tougher job. I think, I think it's still a job that, if we get lucky, that it can be done. Um, but yeah, it's, it's as a fan, it's just really, really frustrating to see us made in like worse and to not understand why that would be the case. Like there must be some kind of intention to go about things in a different way, but they've not explained it in a way that takes fans along on that journey um, at all, which I think that's the frustrating thing. Like if you explain why they need to go um, and you need to replace them with younger players, then we will understand. But they're, they're, they've not explained it at all. It's just kind of, it, it feels like they kind of have an idea about how they want to do it, but it's maybe a bit of a harebrained plot. Can I add two more things? And I'll try and be quick. Sorry, Rich. I know me and Connor always take you well over the hour. One, my point there about the spine of the side and wanting one grizzly centre-half, one grizzly large centre midfielder and one experienced forward. Like The whole point of that is not that I want to be a bunch of six-foot-six cloggers. I don't want to be a team full of 28-plus-year-olds. But it's that it gives you a frame. And so then your talented youngsters have that skeleton to fit in around. They have the people to learn from. We have just gone too far, unfortunately, the other way. And the second thing, if we surmise that we picked up, I don't know, 150 grand for Gladwin and Reed to leave the building, would you say that's ballpark? 50 or 75k each, say? Is is gaining 150 grand worth scuppering your chances of a successful playoff campaign. I really don't think the economics add up. We were told that Gladwin and Reed were um, not as good as last year and slow and slowed the game down, which is kind of what we needed at times, wasn't it? There's a sign, right? <laughs> bank that. Oh, well, it's bank. I know, and I know you're playing devil's advocate there, which that's not your view, but yeah, that, that was a sign in response to that view. Okay, okay. Well, post-match, Jody Morris says we have to deal with headers better. We have to compete in our box. We have to take the sting out of their tail. It's a foul on the keeper all day. We concede and heads go down. If we're conceding goals in quick succession, you have to question the mentality. We are lacking personality and character. I don't want to leave Charlie Austin on because he shows personality and character uh, especially defensively. Uh, and then Charlie Austin came on 
And he said, first half, play some good football, play some bad football, but we're 1-0 up away from home. Second half, same again. And then in the last five minutes, we're saying it's a foul. They're saying no, but we're away from home. So the least thing you can do is go away with a point. But the wind got sucked out of us and it's 2-1. So disappointed. Lack of experience, game management. You concede one and you can't concede another. Lads have to learn fast. We can't keep hiding behind being a young group. Having a younger squad is the direction the club is going in. The club have put faith in the players and they need to learn. They have got to learn from their mistakes and today was a big mistake. They're down. No problem with having a quiet group, but they have to hurt inside. There's nothing beautiful about this league. We've lost three out of three and it's just not been good enough. We've got to win on Saturday. We've got to galvanise the team, pick them up. Football don't feel sorry for nobody. You ride your luck sometimes. You can be terrible and win 1-0. We've got to pick ourselves up and go again. So a lot of people have been really impressed with Charlie Austin's sound bites in his interview since joining. And he is saying the right things. We've just got to see them on the pitch, really, haven't we? Yeah, and I think we were seeing the right things from him on the pitch on Tuesday as well. So it's just yeah. that we want everyone else to follow that example. And that's the kind of thing that he is in the squad for. So fair play to him. He's done everything right there. I think interestingly as well, um, I, I, yeah, actually, I, I, this is probably a point for later, so I'll, I'll, I'll drop it. Okay. Um, I'll go through some listeners' reactions. STFC underscore 1969 said, played all right. We knew what was coming and defended well for 85 minutes. So has to be stronger and punch the ball. He was always going to get hit. We can't keep crumbling after conceding. Wardy S says, you could see it coming. You need a commanding central defender in League Two who can defend balls into the box and do the dirty stuff. We don't have one at the moment and sides know it. Playoffs are gone. Taze85 says, just have to defend better second half. Didn't win a header. We lost count of the number of times we let it bounce. Totally bullied and it was coming. Uh, Morris is right. We didn't keep the ball well enough either. A disappointing night. On to Salford we go. In brackets, he says mental. Howler50 says got the early goal. Battled away quite well, I thought. Got undone by poor officiating. Could have been an excellent three points. And finally... Dave Phillips, who says, same as ever, opinions from Twitter users who have not played professionally, not coached professionally, and know as much about football that could be written on the back of a postage stamp. If we had hung on, everyone's armchair reaction would have been different. I feel like we've wasted our time, Dan, today. Well, yeah, I mean, all of us should just um, stop talking about football then. Oh, well, never mind. So, you know, I think generally people, fans do acknowledge that there were positive parts of this game and yeah sure if we hung on for an extra five minutes then we might have had three points but that's not how it works is it absolutely not um i mean yeah come on we've spoken about some positives i think the team was set up in the most optimal way given the players available i think the first half was being a little bit frenetic at times you know we were in the lead and we're probably worth that lead on the first half. I think probably where the game hinged from a Swindon point of view were on the two Jacob Wakelin chances. Um, he's got to score the first one, I think. I think he's got to score the first one. Yeah, it's, it's one of them. I think he's put it in the right area of the goal. 
because on the angle he was approaching the goal at as a left footer, um, could he have done more to go inside, get into the centre of the goal to open up both corners? No, perhaps. But, you know, he's just acting on instinct and he's not quite hit it hard enough. It was a, a fairly comfortable save. The second one, um, I think Wakelin was was too quick for the rest of the team because when the goalkeeper parried it out into the middle of the goal, the fan in me was thinking, right, who's there for the tap-in? Oh, there's no one within 40 yards. Williams! That's what (laughs) Williams is there for. That was goal number nine for the season for Williams, if if he's on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I think you can look around. There was a couple of really nice driving runs from Kaji. Um, One where he was fouled on the edge of the box by um, Bugiel. Uh, Jeff Cock killed the free kick straight into the keeper's arms. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows we're frail at the back and that goes for the teams we play too, um, as in they know. And when we didn't get goal two, like I say, unfortunately, there was just a sort of horrible inevitability that we'd at least concede one, sadly. Um, and that has a really undermining effect not just on us as fans, but, you know, probably for the players on the pitch as well, because that winning feeling isn't there. And and this is where you need a lot of character. And if you turn it around from here, then the manager's done his job fantastically. The senior players in the squad have done their job well. The young players will have learned a lot. But boy, oh boy, we've got some turning around to do. I think the thing that's really frustrating about it as well is like the fact that there was a lot of positive things to say about the performance up until the 84th minute. Um, so the fact that we then lost because of things that were within our control and a kind of active choices that the club have made in terms of how the squad is. Um, and, and yeah, like that just makes it a little bit more annoying. I think that's why then the reaction has gone sort of more on that kind of bigger picture talking about what's going on um, sort of in terms of the club's philosophy rather than sort of going more in the direction of the refereeing decision, which I think that I've seen a lot less of that than I would have expected in normal circumstances. So um, I I think it's because there is this narrative that we have kind of all kind of bathed in for the last month um, and that there's nothing refuting it that, that kind of gives us all of this stuff to discuss, uh, discuss. and I've, I don't know about you two, but I mean, I guess at some point we'll talk about Man of the Match. For me, there were two really standout performers in Austin and McEachran, and I found it quite interesting that basically neither of those are part of our overall like recruitment strategy. Because in terms of the recruitment team that have, that have hired that, that have brought those two in, one was brought in by the chairman himself because he's a former player and. Uh, it'll keep everyone else on side and by all accounts is a good move. And then the other one um, has texted the club himself because he's um, worked with the um, manager and, you know, potentially maybe one day will become assistant um, and, and they've brought him in and he, he's come through. So basically the, the two players in the squad that you can definitively say that like our recruitment team don't have anything to do with um, were the standout performers on the night. And I feel like that even in an even tighter bow kind of wraps things up um, to kind of what you're seeing on social media and in the responses to the tweet that you put up at the top of the episode, Rich. Um, so it's, it's just an interesting thought. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In, in terms of Man of the Match, you're quite right. There were nods for Charlie Austin. Um, Marcus Fjortoft 
on co-coms on BBC Radio Wiltshire. Stuck the, stuck the old boot in old Pullen, didn't he, by uh, saying how good Seydou Khan had been, considering that I'd refer to him as a one-in-five player. And, yeah, I had a chat with Marcus before this game, so I'm more than sure I probably said that in in, in my um, summary of um, Mr. Khan. It was a good performance by him. He got some nods. But the, the man of the match, as given by the listeners, is George McEachern. I've got to be honest, when, when I saw him in the starting lineup, I was like, guys, he's not played for like 15 months. But it was a very good performance. Uh, Dan, who would you give man of the match to? I think um, McEachern's about fair, actually. Very good debut. More, Much more combative than I was expecting him to be. Because he does look like a bit of a pretty boy, doesn't he? And you expect him to be a good... <laughs> cultured technical player but yeah there's a bit of pace in them legs um and a bit of hustle in the tackle so um by hook or by quirk he's i'm glad we got hold of him um gosh i mean like let's see what he's like in three or four games time when he's fully fit um but yeah i'll be back to connor's points a moment or so when you're sticky plastering with McEachern and then maybe a free agent centre-half, you know, that's an acknowledgement that you've you've cocked up further back down the line. But yeah, I think McEachern, man of the match, is fair. I quite liked a lot of elements of Kaji's performance. Um, and Austin, again, led the line superbly, gave it absolutely everything to the point where he could barely run anymore. Um, some of his defensive work, Superb. It's just such a shame he's not 27. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Austin yet to get a man of the match. Nod from either the pod or listenership. Neither as Ellis Iandolo, uh, Matthew Baudry and Luke Jeffcott. But George McEachern comes steaming in. Connor, do you agree? No, I think it has to be Charlie Austin. I think like George McEachern has done what he's been putting the team to do in terms of sort of running the midfield and, and doing it well on his debut. Um so I definitely think he's in the conversation. But for me, Austin does at the end of the pitch that he's stationed in, he scores the goal um, and that is doing his job. And um, what he does that then goes like so much further on than that is defending absolutely like very, very well um, and um, and leading the team. And yeah, like we like he just he battled through. I think he, he probably could have gone off like 10, 15 minutes before he did, but he just kept going for as long as he could. Um, which I think is a credit to him. Um, I think if you look at the player that we thought that we were bringing in from Brisbane Raw, I think we kind of were expecting the goals in the situations where um, he scored, um, where like those kind of things. I think we were expecting, but um, the the sheer amount of effort and um, like proper leadership that's coming from him, I think that really is something I, I just wasn't quite expecting quite so much. Um, maybe I'm wrong in my expectations on that, but I just I think he was absolutely brilliant, and um, yeah, I th- probably we would have been a little bit more lucky if he'd have been able to stay the distance and be on for the ninety. But you know, he, you know the, the the miles and the legs probably catching up a little bit. He can't do um, quite so many minutes in a four day period, so it's unfortunate. But yeah, for me, he's clear man of the match. Well, you, you've charmed me, and I do like a, a one for the listeners and one for the pod. So. First man of the match nods there for George McEachern and Charlie Austin gets it from the pod. We're on the hour. I was going to ask a question about the reaction from fans, especially about behind the scenes. And Sandra Di yet again gets a fair 
bit of the anger from Swindon fans, especially on social media. I don't think that's going to go away too much, but given the amount of suspensions and injuries and X, Y, Z, there does seem to be an emergence of a defence for Sandro. It's either an emergence of a defence or people are just getting fed up listening or reading about Sandro Di Michele. I don't know which is right, but Dan, what do you think? Um, Well... Me, I mean, as you could probably tell from my comments in this this pod so far, I'm coming down on the side of. I don't think the man's done a very good job. Um, I think when you're so outwardly open about everyone has a price, you know, everyone's for sale. We're going to sell the players who are old. We're going to bring in young Premier League academy players. Where he's been quite so brazen, unfortunately, Sandro, you've rather made this bed to lay in. Um, Now we're here in mid-February after three defeats on the trot. I mean, irregardless of injuries, this is why you build a squad. It's not just about a starting eleven, And the squad that you built, Sandro, um, you know, that this doesn't make Clem Morfuni exempt of blame or a bit of um, lens coming down on him because he decided to employ Sandra Di Michele and he decides to continue to employ Sandra Di Michele. So I don't, I, I think, I think if there's any deflection away from Sandro, it's to the people employing Sandro. Um, Jody Morris will continue to get time and plenty of slack as he should. Um, but right now, the squad that Sandro built. Is not performing to the club's expectations or my expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where there's elements of truth in what both sets of people are saying in that debate uh, in terms of we are definitely weaker because of injuries as well and that's stuff that's not in the control of Sandro. Um, but I think I would go back to my earlier point that we also are quite weak in areas where we don't have injuries. We just like are weak in those areas. Uh, so it's... Uh, and especially just because we have made the squad that much younger, I think that also makes us weaker by aggregate because I also saw a lot of discussions about the um, like relative quality of different players in the squad. Obviously, we've done that ourselves on an episode recently, Rich, where you went through the squad and I had to say if they're League One level or not. Um, so um, I think there are a lot of players that on their own are good, but it just doesn't add up overall to a good squad because maybe a lot of the players are a little bit too similar or and there are certain traits that you want in a squad that on a like on a player level everyone's missing which doesn't make them a bad player it just means that we need that player to plug the gap in the squad um so i think yeah we are we we definitely will be stronger once people come back um well hopefully people come back and they're not replaced with new injuries um definitely this is a bed that um we've made for ourselves as a club um, and as dan mentions um it's one of those things. I don't. I would love to know if, like, what we're doing in terms of recruitment, if that is being seen as successful or in, within the club, or if that's seen as unsuccessful. Because if it's seen as successful, why? Because it's clearly not um, in terms of the way that the club's going over the last few months. And um, if it isn't seen as successful, why have we not done anything to rectify it? Like, why are we? Why are we sort of sticking by the exact same model? Um, without any deviation, why didn't we deviate in the final couple of weeks of January when 
we had the chance to get ourselves out of this kind of situation or prevent this kind of situation from happening more likely, um, more realistically. Um, and um, yeah, I, I would just really like to know, like, yeah, probably, like, so there's not much that we can really do about the squad now, like we, other than a couple of free agents and there's not going to be much availability there. Um, but why does it take so long for everything to happen? Um, and uh, like in a sort of news sense, like an, an announcing an assistant manager that probably should have been doing the job for 15 days now, but still isn't officially announced by the club. Um, and like, yeah, basically, if 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 we're seeing it like this, are the club in agreement um, or is he actually doing what he's being asked to do? So he's actually doing his job correctly. It's just that the job itself is ultimately making us weaker. So I'd love to know like what that is and then why, if he isn't doing his job correctly, like why we wouldn't pull the trigger and uh, bring in someone who can do it better. Oh, food for thought and things we'll be talking about a lot over the coming days, weeks, months, I'm sure. But that will do for now. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Cheers, chaps. Thank you. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.